Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. All right, last week we dove into the topic of tracking your fertility using your cervical mucus, how to identify your peak fertile window, how to tell the difference between different types of cervical mucus throughout each month, how to know what your cervical mucus is telling you if something is off. This week, we're going to stay along those same lines, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. We're going to be talking about how you can optimize your fertility using the fertility awareness method. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Lisa Hendrickson-Jack, who is the founder of Fertility Friday and the host of Fertility Friday podcast. Lisa is a certified fertility awareness educator and holistic reproductive health practitioner who teaches women to chart their menstrual cycles for natural birth control or conception, whether you're wanting to achieve it or avoid it, and how to just use fertility as a monitoring system of your overall health. She's also the author of The Fifth Vital Sign, where she explains just how impactful understanding your menstrual cycle is to your overall health. I am so stoked to be able to sit down and dive into this conversation with you because this is something that I have done in my personal life for several years now, and I finally feel like I have a handle on it, like I'm confident enough to start educating you guys on it. So I wanted to bring Lisa on, which is where I learned everything from, so that she can help you explore other options than regular traditional birth control. You can still be very much in control of your fertility journey and not be on traditional birth control if that is not what's best for you. All right, you guys, without further ado, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm a little bit fangirling and I like definitely jumped around in little circles waving my arms when you (laughs) accepted. Yeah. When you said yes to the podcast, I was like, no freaking way. Like I fall out. I have listened to your podcast for many years because I use fertility awareness method. You taught me so much of what I know. I introduced you to so many of my friends, so many of my clients now use fertility awareness method, not necessarily 
um, as a way to prevent pregnancy, which is how I've traditionally been using it. I just got married. So that's about to flip, but a lot of people use it just to like get to know their bodies better. And so I want to start by saying thank you for all the education that you have done. You really have I mean, you literally changed my life. You you truly changed the whole trajectory of my menstrual cycle. And I can say that that's the same for so many women kind of across our globe. So thank you for that. But more so than that, can you tell us how you got started in fertility awareness methods? Like what drives you to do this education? Well, yes, great question. But first of all, thank you so much. You're so sweet. Oh. <laughs> I'm just so honored to be here. It's amazing. You just never know how your work is going to affect people. So that is why this is what drives me right here. I love <laughs> so it. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's so awesome. So in terms of, you know, it's it's interesting how I got into this work because I was quite young when I discovered fertility awareness, you know, um, right before my 14th birthday, when I got my first period and it was painful and heavy. And so I was put on the pill at a relatively young age, not because I was sexually active, but because I was having these periods, I was very active. And I just really didn't know how to handle it. I was like, imagine being in a leotard, you know what I mean? I was a ballet dancer, like all the things. So I found very early on that the pill was kind of like magic, because it did reduce my, you know, symptoms and all that. And I remember thinking, okay, well, I'm fixed. So periodically, because I wasn't using it for birth control, I would come off of the pill for just to because I was fixed. <laughs> but every time I came off the pill, my periods would come back with vengeance, just as heavy and painful as they were before. So I didn't have the language that I do now to describe what was going on. But I did know from a young age that the pill period wasn't the same thing as the real one. It's interesting because I've done so many interviews and I've spoken to women who had a really different take on it. So I've spoken to a lot of women who kind of hated their periods and were dying to get rid of them. But for me, I didn't think it was normal. I mean, I had all these friends that didn't seem to have these problems. So when I was quite young, then I, I started, you know, I'm a November baby. So I started university <laughs> 17 because, you know, it's like that age. But I remember, you know, having all these thoughts and thinking to myself that I wanted to figure out what was wrong with me. Also, my mom had fibroids and she had to have a hysterectomy when I was probably something like 10 or something like that, old enough to kind of understand. And I remember thinking, I don't want that to be me. I already had the really heavy periods and I had these kind of issues. So in the back of my mind, I always had this idea that this is not okay. There's something wrong. I don't know what it is. And I'm going to try to figure that out. So then lo and behold, I discover the fertility awareness method. And it was right around the time that I was becoming sexually active. And so I decided to do the opposite thing because I was already thinking of coming off birth control because now that I was a little bit older, I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I can figure this out. Because when you're like teenager, <laughs> it's kind of hard to figure out. But I was like, let me come off the pill and see if I can figure this out. And then it's funny because I didn't trust the pill for birth control because I was never taking it for birth control and I would never take it at the right time. I would always forget. So, and I had read the insert, you know, thing. It says, if you forget one, you take two the next day and all this kind of stuff. So I just felt like I would always be terrified that I was pregnant and like, didn't know. I share all of this because that was my entrance into it. I had planned to come off the pill and use condoms because I grew up in the generation where they told us that condoms were effective and I believed them and I still do believe them if you use them correctly. And so that was my plan. And then when I learned fertility awareness, that was kind of like this amazing bonus because now I could understand my cycle. I learned that you weren't fertile every day of your cycle. And so now I really had the tools that I needed to come off the birth control pill, try to figure out what was going on with my cycle, even though it took me many, many years to figure that out and to reduce my period pain eventually. 
But that was kind of the start just based on that personal experience. And there's a whole lot more. I mean, I could talk about that for an hour. When I came off the pill, my cycles were kind of, I wouldn't say they were so irregular, but they were quite long, consistently long. And I remember thinking that was fine. I read Taking Charge of Your Fertility and she talked about short cycles and long cycles. And I remember thinking, oh, I just, I just have long cycles. You know, it doesn't have to be 28 days. Like I was empowered by this. And then my charting instructor told me that, no, 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 that's too long. That's not normal. And your temperatures are too low. And I think you have a thyroid issue. You should go get tested. And lo and behold, I had an issue with my thyroid. So all of those things made a profound effect on me. I mean, I was amazed that someone could look at my chart and identify a potential health issue. Like that was blowing my mind at whatever age I was like 19 or something. And so I was able then to learn charting. There was a group of us, we took training, we were teaching at a very grassroots level, you know, donation based in the community type of thing. I never thought I could make a career out of it at the time, but it throughout my twenties, I was able to take for granted that I was able to not be on birth control, avoid pregnancy successfully. It worked for me. I I used it. I was in relationships. I didn't have an unplanned pregnancy. Then when I, you know, eventually found my partner, now we're married, my husband, and I was able to continue using that until we were ready to have kids. Like I was able to take all of this for granted. So what really prompted me to start the podcast, write the book and all that was that I realized like here I was taking this information for granted. It had really changed my life. It had really improved my understanding of my body, my quality of life, all of these experiences. And then I looked around and the average woman still has absolutely no idea what her cycle is about when she's ovulating, what effects potentially that the pill could have on her. And then I see also so many women struggling to conceive as well. And I mean, it's just not right. (laughs) So, so here we are. Okay. I could not love your story more. I think you just spoke to so many people out there who have just recently woken up to maybe the dangers of birth control and not necessarily like you're in danger if you take it, but the risks that are associated with it that I think a lot of people don't get the courtesy of a conversation about these risks. So I got onto this because I wanted to get off of birth control. This is back in 2017. I wanted to get off birth control that was hormonal. But I knew I needed something because I was in a relationship. I was having sex. I was an adult. I was 27. And I've been on birth control for, my gosh, 10 years, right? I also had recently been told that I had like really brittle bones, almost osteoporosis. And when I tracked it back, I was like, holy shit, it could have been the birth control I was on. Are you kidding me? So then I had an IUD placed, the copper one, supposed to be non-hormonal. It was horrendous. It was misplaced. It perforated my uterus. I had 14 weeks of continuous bleeding. And to be honest, it's kind of graphic, but I always just say like what pushed me over the edge to really taking control of this situation and like my menstruation was my vagina was so raw from 14 weeks of continuous bleeding and, and putting tampons in there. I'm trying to have birth control. Like they keep telling me to just wait a little bit longer. And I finally was like, okay, this is not normal. Like there's nothing part, there is just absolutely no part of it. I was having horrendous cramps every day. I have periods that are about four days long. They are light. Typically I'm a very light and small statured person. It makes sense. I've never been worried about it. I was like, this is not normal. Something is definitely not right. And it really kicked me into, okay, how am I going to take charge of my fertility, avoid a pregnancy, but stay off of hormones. And it led me to where every 
question leads is Google. And I did, I came across your podcast. I came across fertility awareness method for the first time. I came across, I think the full breadth of risk associated with hormonal birth control that I had never been told about. And, and I had been having all these troubles, but nobody felt the need to say like, okay, let's relook at things and let's get your body back to a place of functioning and also like meeting the goals that you have. And so fertility awareness method for me was the answer to that. It gave me the control. I didn't have to be on hormones. I knew when was safe to be sexually active with my partner and when I should not have been based on our goals and vice versa. Now we're married. Fertility is more on our minds. We'll have days that are better to have sex because you're ovulating during those days. Those are days that we previously avoided, things like that. So I don't want to spend too much time on it, but can you run down maybe those risks that are associated with birth control that a lot of us don't really get that conversation? And these are things that, you know, if you're listening, that's not what we're going to spend our time today on because I really want you to hear about the fertility awareness method. It's right for so many people and you can use it in so many ways, but if you are like, whoa, I don't really know those risks, what are they? What would you tell somebody, Lisa? Yeah, I mean, it's a big conversation. I think what really struck me when I started to do the deep dive into contraceptives is that the most common side effects are depression and low libido. So sexual side effects and then emotional side effects. So a lot of women have depressive feelings. And it's interesting when you go into how women describe it in their own words. So of course, they might feel somewhat depressed, but women will often say they feel kind of like a flat emotional state where they don't really have the highs and lows that they used to. So they kind of feel detached. They don't really feel like themselves. And some women do experience panic attacks and, and different emotional responses like that on the insert of if you're currently, you know, on birth control and you're listening to this, or you know, someone who is, you can always search online that the name of the type of birth control and prescribing information and it's interesting because not everybody knows that and few people do that. And all of them have their printouts and they all come with a black label warning. So there is a risk of of death. You know, they're just I mean, it's it's unfortunate to have to say that like that. But it's true because that's why they have the black label warning. This is the risk around blood clots and stroke. And of course, everybody thinks that it couldn't happen to them. But it 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 does happen. And since you, I, I don't usually lead with this, but since you asked about the risks, I think it's useful to talk about it. I was recently within the last couple of, of years in a documentary, the one with Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein, The Business of Birth Control. If anyone hasn't heard of that, look into that. That movie really goes into some of the risks if you are wanting to, to learn more about them. But I mean, in addition to those more serious risks that we should be aware of, and the kind of depression and the libido type of thing. I think that a lot of women don't realize that their birth control pill could be related to their sexual symptoms, especially because so many of us are put on it so young. So for example, if you just don't really have much of a sex drive, vaginal dryness, you always need lube. I mean, I'm not, this is not a judgment, but not everybody knows that the birth control pill can cause that. And also it can reduce your sensation. So it could, for some women, reduce their ability to orgasm or reduce the sensation that they're experiencing. 
And I've certainly spoken with women who will say things like, I just thought I wasn't that happy of a person. I just didn't really think I had a sex drive. And like, you have no idea if you went on the pill when you were 14 or 15, you literally have no idea of what your actual sex drive is. I literally came off of a client call (laughs) before this interview where one of the participants in my group program mentioned that she had had painful sex for years, like painful intercourse. And she heard one of my podcast episodes where I talk about this. And so finally, similar to your story, she got that up and she decided to come off and see what happened. And then she said one month later, the pain went away. So, you know, I think to to center the discussion, because the purpose of this is information and people get real thorny around the birth control pill, especially when you start throwing it under the bus. But what the research shows us is that about 50% of women who go on hormonal contraceptives come off of it within the first year. It doesn't mean they they completely stop taking hormonal birth control. Maybe they switch to another brand or another type or whatever the case, but 50%, 50%. And there was a study that I, that I cited in the fifth vital sign because I, like, I remember just being so steamed when I was reading it. So there, this study was designed to identify the characteristics of the women who complained about birth control. <laughs> so right away, I'm upset because I'm like, this is what you're studying. Like you have nothing better to do. Like you're looking at us to see what's wrong with us as opposed to fixing your product. Okay. So literally. And so what they did is they had the study and the researchers found that 50% of the women had complaints. And it was the same thing I just told you, depression, sexual side effects, these types of things. And so the researchers, of course, of course, did not come to the conclusion that maybe there's something wrong with the pill. You know, maybe we should try to fix it. Maybe we should try to improve the formulation. No, no. They came to the conclusion that, you know, the doctors should have, it's really hard for the doctors to advise the clients that advise their patients about the side effects without unduly discouraging them. Like they were kind of like, oh, this is so hard because like if the doctors tell them about all the side effects, how can they do that without discouraging them from using it? Because they really need it because they need birth control. I mean, the struggle is real, but I need everyone to understand like the level that we're dealing with here. So when I share these things, I always share this piece of it as well. So I feel that my kind of mission, if you will, is not that no one should use birth. I use birth control. (laughs) You use birth control. 80% or more of women use birth control. I feel that when we share the actual information, then we can make informed choices. And I feel that women fall into three categories. So when you hear this type of information, some women are going to run for the hills. They're going to be like, you know what? I'm no, thank you. (laughs) Right. But some women are going to say, I'm so glad that I know I had no idea. So now when I use it, you know, maybe they will somehow modify their use. Some women will still take it, but they'll be informed. So if they actually experience some of those side effects, they'll come off or they'll make a decision to modify their use such that instead of being on it for 20 years, maybe they choose to be on it for five. You know, I'm in college. I'm going to do what I need to do or or whatever. But then they'll seek something different when they're in a more stable situation. And then a third category of women will just use it for just as long. And I feel like we as women should have the choice with the information to use it however we want. So I really feel that when people get upset about sharing the actual facts, because people get mad, I get like the occasional like terrible review or something of the book. It's like, how could she talk about this? She talks because there's also like partner attraction, that whole conversation around how some women go on the pill. And then if they're on the pill, when they meet their partner, they come off the pill and then they don't like the smell of like there's a lot and they're mad at me. But it's like, how are you mad at me? Like I read it in a study. Like I'm just reporting the information. I didn't make it up. 
Oh my goodness. I, I don't guess I really realized people got so crazy when it came to like birth control options. I too believe that women should just have all the information, do what's best for you. I got to choose what was best for me and it honestly changed my life. I mean, I'm telling you, I have never felt more in control of my body. I know when I ovulate, I know from what side I ovulate. I basically know when I'm going to ovulate late because of the things that are going on in my life. I have been using FAM, fertility awareness method for, wow, six years now. Wow. Okay. I, I know my body. I know how my body responds. I know how outside factors impact it. It is just giving me so much control and you hit a point of like annoyance for me when you spoke about we all get on as you know so young I feel like it's given to a lot of people as a fix but when you really look at it it's a band-aid it's not actually a fix and you kind of talked about that in your story that you know you were like oh I've been fixed but then when you actually looked at it you were like oh I don't know anything about my body and these these things can't be normal and so and if I was really fixed then when I came off of it I wouldn't still have the heavy, painful periods, right? Yeah. So I guess let's let's jump into that. Let's talk about fertility awareness method. If someone is having, you know, really bad periods or maybe they have never been off of birth control, A, where do you start to get information about fertility awareness method? And then B, where do you start? What are those first couple steps? Obviously, the first one is like get off birth control, but are there things we need to do before that, before we get off birth control? What what kind of questions do we need to have answered before we like jump head first into this conversation? Those are really great questions. I think the one positive thing, it's so interesting. I mean, I've been in this game for so long. You know, I graduated high school when I was in, what, what year was that? Two. 2000, I think. I think it was, I was the class of 2000. So, so that ages me. The things have changed. So the good news is that there's way more information available, you know, in all kinds of places than there, there ever was. When I look back, it's really just amazing that I discovered it at the age that I did. I, I think that it was meant to be, to be honest, but that's one piece of good news. You know, there's a lot of information. I think that can make it tricky in some cases to find really good information, but ultimately, you know, so in terms of where to find information, obviously I'm here because my podcast and book has drawn you into this rabbit hole or played a role into that. So, you know, I've put out a ton of resources to support women as well. The most popular kind of go-to resource, of course, is Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler. And so certainly that's a great place to start. My book, The Fifth Vital Sign, is a great place to start. Those books really introduce you to the concept of just tracking, understanding that you're not fertile all the time and really starting to understand that you can track that information for practical purposes. I think with my book, I take it a step further because I really go into that health piece of it where it's like, okay, look, it's not just about tracking your cycle either. You can actually discover if there's a problem. You know, when I've had many clients who have abnormal cervical mucus patterns who discover things like infections or even abnormal cervical cells based on their charts. And in my case, it was a a thyroid issue. And so there's all kinds of things, which is is really fascinating. I mean, when you hear this stuff for the first time, it's mind blowing and just aggravating because it's like, what's going on? So for someone who wants to jump in, I think the first step is to start educating yourself because of course, even though it's so much more popular now, so many more women know about it. There's so many more instructors, you know, there's hashtags on social media channels, all that good stuff. 
the average woman still doesn't know what's going on with her body. And if you bring this to your friends and to your family and whatever, chances are that not everyone is going to be familiar with it. And you'll get a little bit of like, what are you talking about? Like, what is this? And, and so I think it's really helpful to find your people. And it just has never been easier. There's tons of groups. And you know, there's all kinds of places where you can go to find people. One of the things you had asked about is, you know, if someone has always been on the pill and So there are a few considerations, I think, you know, it's lovely when you learn about the pill to just, you know, okay, just jump off it, just go off it right now. But there are some women for whom maybe they went on the pill for a a serious issue, something about the period pain issue. And if you really had these severe, horrendous, painful periods and nothing had really helped, one of the things that you can do before just hopping off the pill, if you're ready to come off, if you're thinking about coming off, I'm talking about this specific situation, is to consider working with a practitioner to address some of the issues around inflammation and other health issues so that while you're still on the pill, you can start gearing your body toward, you know, reducing that inflammation, learning about the connection between what you're eating, your, you know, lifestyle choices, all these things that could be making the symptoms worse. So that when you do come off the pill, you're kind of giving yourself the best case scenario. That also would apply to anyone who had any other serious types of concerns. I've had many clients who were diagnosed with PMDD. So, you know, the severe form of PMS, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, who are really concerned that if they come off the pill, they're going to have these really ridiculous mood swings and feel really terrible. So same idea applies where if you're serious about coming off the pill, but you have some serious health concerns about how your body could react when you come off of it, it's a good idea to start stabilizing yourself before. So they're, you know, again, working with a functional health provider, working with a naturopathic doctor, finding yourself a coach, someone who can support you so that you can really start to restore and replenish nutrient deficiencies. We talked about some of the risks and I talked about some of the symptoms, but related to some of those symptoms are nutrient deficiencies. So when a person is on hormonal birth control for a long time, there are a number of known nutrients that are depleted. And it's because when you're on the birth control pill, it really does change how your body is metabolizing, say, B vitamins and a variety of of nutrients, even zinc. And there's a lot of different nutrients. So when you're thinking about coming off of it, you can start to, you know, eat better, learn a little bit about nutrition. This is something I talk about in my book. And I have a new book coming out in February that's really going (laughs) to go off the deep end into this relationship between food and fertility and supporting menstrual cycle health. So really taking the opportunity to learn about those things. I'm talking about these egregious situations. If you were just on the pill and you just don't want to be on it anymore and you don't have those types of concerns, you can actually come off of it at any time. (laughs) So when it comes to fertility awareness, what you want to do is you want to make sure to inform yourself about it. You want to choose a method. So there's, you know, when we hear fertility awareness method, you might think that there's only one method, but there's mucus only methods. There's basal body temperature methods. There's symptom thermal methods. There's symptom hormonal methods. There's a lot of different um, options. So you want to educate yourself about fertility awareness. You want to choose a method. You want to start learning about it. And if you're wanting to come off and you're trying to avoid pregnancy, you need to be comfortable with using an alternate non-hormonal birth control method for a period of time while you get used to charting and learn the rules and all of that. So I always say charting is not an IUD. Like when you get an IUD, you go in, you get it placed, and then you have birth control that day. (laughs) No reading, no learning necessary, right? But with fertility awareness, it is a user-dependent method. And so you have to actually educate yourself. And when you start charting, 
if you're charting without an instructor, if you're trying to teach yourself how to use the method and learn the rules yourself, then I recommend a minimum of three to six cycles of charting, three to six cycles, not even months, because it could be a longer month if you've just come off the pill. And a cycle would be, you know, period, ovulation, period again, right? Like, so three to six cycles. And the reason for that is because you need to chart long enough to really understand what you're doing, to get comfortable with your cervical mucus, to get comfortable with temperature charting, to get comfortable confirming ovulation so that you really know what's going on. You have to give yourself time to learn the rules and to experience a little bit of weirdness in your cycle. Because when you actually chart, you're a human, not a robot. So you're not always going to have these perfect, clean wonderful cycles, especially if you are in a transition phase, you just come off birth control. So you do need to give yourself some time where there's no pressure of having unprotected sex whatsoever. So whether it's condoms, whether it's, you know, withdrawal, oh my gosh, so, you know, <laughs> really controversial, but whatever it is, you're doing diaphragm combination of, you know, I've had clients who use the condoms and they have their partner withdraw the condom on, like whatever you're doing, have a plan to do that. Make sure your partner's comfortable. Make sure you're comfortable so that there's, like I said, no pressure for you to be using this method before you're ready and then get into it. Now, if you want to shorten that duration, I would highly recommend for you to work with an instructor. I mean, I learned how to chart. I read Taking Charge of Your Fertility, but very shortly after I was you know, charting on my own, I started working with this group of women on my university campus so I ended up learning from instructors and it really makes a world of difference. It, it, you don't have to learn everything the hard way, the long way. You can really shortcut that. So within two to three cycles, you can actually be quite far on your way along to feeling confident using this method for birth control. Hey, I love that. There is a period of like hesitancy, like an, oh shit, I am solely 100% responsible for this. And I think that's normal. I think everybody goes through that period. I, I was very blessed. I decided to do this when I was already in a long-term relationship. And so I had a supportive partner and we didn't have pressure. Our goal was to avoid pregnancy. And the more that I learned, the more confident that we got. And now, like I say, I've been using it for several years, but can you talk to us about, I know a lot of people are out there being like, I just can't see myself taking that step and like trusting myself. Can you talk to us? I feel it. And I I like have the confidence, but I don't know how to explain it. I feel like you could explain how does it give you the control? Like, how can you possibly take a deep dive? And, and it's almost like I hear so many people say like, but that's my safety net. My birth control is my safety net. And put that control in your hands. I don't know, but it is something that just like gives you control. You just feel so in control of your body, or I do at least. Well, I agree with you. The way I look at it, obviously everyone is different. So everyone is not the same. <laughs> so this method is not for everybody. Right. Just like condoms aren't for everybody. Like there's yep. people who hate condoms, right? There's people who hate diaphragms. <laughs> so I feel like that's something to always keep in mind. Because I find too, when I first discovered fertility awareness, I was nuts. I was trying to ram it down everyone's throats. Like everyone needs to do this <laughs> right now. Like I was making charting books for my friends and like all my friends know how to chart their site. Like it's out of control. Like the friends who, that I had at that time. But the thing about it that I learned over the years, it's a bad analogy, but whatever. I compare myself to, you know, those like young yippy dogs that are like, like, right? yeah. like, that's like the beginning of your fertility awareness journey where I was like, can you just like, some people want, like, some people want to kick you, like get away. And this, but then when you grow up, I, I picture like those older dogs that like, you know, the kids are jumping around all of them. They're just like, Wah. so I feel like I've gone through all the stages now. And so I'm really open to letting women interact with this knowledge, however they feel comfortable. And I feel that there's a lot of value in planting seeds because sometimes the person who's the most like 
absolutely not. Are you nuts? Why would I do that? That person becomes an instructor five years later. You just never know what's going to happen. And so one thing to consider is that we're all different. We all have different desires and all that different preferences, but also we all go through different phases of our lives. So there may be a phase of our life where this just feels like no way. Maybe you're in a relationship with a partner who literally will not cooperate (laughs) and you know that. So this is not an option for you, but then you switch situations and you find a different partner and all of a sudden, you know, this becomes a possibility. So I think that's one kind of general thought that I have about it. So for me, I did look at things very differently. I was super pissed too, when I learned that I was only fertile for a week out of the month, because I had been on the pill for a few years, because of my period pain. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, hold up, like I learned in school that I was fertile all the time. That's what they told me. I remember, they said, there's no safe days, you can get pregnant on your period, you can get pregnant every single day. So you right, like all the sex, all, all the pregnant all the time. And so, it's only. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And so then I learned that there's literally, you know, like seven days. If you add the, if you add the little buffer period, it's nine days. Right. So I learned that there's a third of the month I'm, I'm fertile. And then like the rest of the time I'm not. And for me, my mindset was like, well, why am I taking a pill every day for that? That doesn't make sense. Like if he's the one that has a sperm all the time, like he's the one that has like from puberty to death. He just has the sperm. Like it's not as lively when he's like 85, but it's still there, you know? And I, on the other hand, have, well, from a scientific perspective, it is six days a cycle. And we add a little buffer on that. So it's like nine days. And then I, you know, so for me, that was a very kind of powerful moment. I had this, I don't know if it was an irrational fear or a rational fear, but I had this fear because sometimes I would take my pill more than one month at a time. Because if I had the pill, and then my, you know, fake period was set to come at at the same time as, you know, a party or a dance or whatever, I would take the pill, like I would take the next pill pack. So I always had this fear that like, what if I was like sexually active? And then I like was pregnant. But I was like, taking the pill back to back. And then I like discover that I'm pregnant, like two months in, like that was literally my biggest fear. So with fertility awareness, like I felt much more comfortable knowing exactly when I ovulate, because then it's up to me. I like having that responsibility to to modify my behavior. I like having the heads up that I'm in my fertile window, because you better believe I'm going to use that condom perfectly. My condom Mm -hmm. use, I could be on TV. I'm just going to show you like, I'm like, like, right, like, I'm like a condom commercial, how perfectly I'm going to use this condom. Because I know that I'm fertile today. And I know for a fact that if and I, this is how I talked to my husband, you want a baby today? (laughs) Because I have evidence, I I have a 15 month old. And like, that was, that was the last time we had unprotected sex on the day, like we were trying. And then I have an eight year old. And like, it had like, it was like the first time, like we had sex, like the one in like the window one one day. day. (laughs) So like, I have evidence. It worked. (laughs) Right. So, so for me, because I know your question was kind of around like, how, why does it empower you? So kind of getting into my mindset around it, that was terrifying to me because if I had found out that I was pregnant, you know, two months in and I had no idea and I was taking the pill the whole time, like all the emotions that I would feel around that and being surprised. So what I liked about being able to understand my cycle was that I knew and I would know immediately. Like when I was pregnant with my 15 month old, I didn't even take the test. I was, it was like day 15 or 16 past ovulation. 
And I know that my luteal phase length is, you know, usually 14 days max. So by day 15, I'm like, honey, <laughs> he's like, come on, Lisa. <laughs> We've been married for so he's known me with this fertility where it's the whole he's like, come on, Lisa. And I I'm like, fine, I'll pee on the stick for you. <laughs> I already know I'm pregnant. <laughs> I know. And obviously it was positive. So this is I, I suppose a different way to look at it because it's a different way to have control. Yeah. And you touched on this at the beginning of this kind of little part that we started, but you can use it in different ways. So I touched on it earlier too. I have been previously using it to avoid pregnancy to know what days not to have sex on but as fertility becomes kind of more and more in our immediate schedules life oh that's kind of weird to say but you know we will eventually start using it to to do what you and your partner did was have sex on the days that it really counts for me I think I just love the idea that you can use it to meet your goals kind of no matter what your goals are. If this is part of the plan for you, I understand it's not for everybody. And I too have friends that are like, absolutely not. I could never. And I'm like, cool. I totally respect your thing. But some people are like, wait, you don't, you're like not on any birth control and you've had no unplanned practice, like no access. And I'm like, no, I literally know what days are safe, what days are not like I just feel like I know so much about my body. Okay, two questions about things that you had previously mentioned. The first one is what to say to a healthcare provider who we just had the discussion that I want to come off birth control and they're not really receptive and they call the fertility awareness method like incorrectly, but they call it like the pull and pray method, or they try and, you know, make comments about like, well, that's a surefire way to have a baby. How can someone advocate for themselves that trying the fertility awareness method or coming off birth control is the right choice for them right then? That's such an interesting question. Where my mind went is, are we asking the provider for permission? Are we asking for consent? Like what, what is like, what does their the opinion have to do about <laughs> with your decisions in life? Yes, <laughs> so uh, we yes. can start there. I think that obviously we're trained that to be, to have to ask our doctor and all of those kinds of things. And of course, like ask your doctor, sure. But you don't need anyone's permission to come off a pill. Yeah. You just don't. It's not a thing that you need to, to do it. Now, if you have concerns, health concerns and things like that, we we talked about that. You know, I, yeah. I started there yeah. uh, and I didn't necessarily say doctor. I said functional health care provider, someone who could help you to address some of those underlying issues that the pill could be masking for you to make that transition smoother. So in terms of your medical doctor, I think that it's really helpful to know that medical doctors are not trained in fertility awareness based methods whatsoever. So in terms of their training. And I can say this confidently because I've interviewed a whole ton of, not a ton, but I've interviewed probably five to 10 doctors over the years. And of course, I'm always grilling them <laughs> about what's going on in med school. So yeah, so my understanding is that in medical school, the education about fertility awareness-based methods is very, very limited. Mm -hmm. Doctors tend to be trained towards methods that have the least degree of involvement from the patient. So my understanding is that doctors are looking at fertility in terms of, you know, they want the, the most effective method and effectiveness trumps everything else. And so what I mean by that 
is the most effective methods, theoretically, are the ones that do not require any type of user contribution. Those would be things like the implant. Those would be things like the shot, the IUD, things that you get inserted, shot, you know, injected, whatever, and do not require you to do anything. So you can't mess it up. And so then the effectiveness is entirely based on the, the method itself. Now, some of these methods are actually not 100%, right? Like the IUD is pretty high, but there are. <laughs> but but obviously the chance of pregnancy is quite low, right? With, with these um, options. And then when we get into user dependent options, you know, when we get into condoms, even taking the pill, all of those have a user component where the user can mess it up, right? So to put it into perspective, what I've heard from doctors is that they're already given this kind of worldview or viewpoint or whatever you want to call it of looking at it, that effectiveness is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that is for many of us, that is not, maybe quality of life is the most important thing. Maybe having a sex drive is the most important thing. Maybe lowering the risk of having a stroke because you actually are a migraine with aura sufferer and that puts you at a much higher risk of having issues with that aspect of the birth control pill called estrogen. Maybe effectiveness is actually, like you want it to be effective, but I think you know what I'm saying, right? Like maybe introducing that user component isn't the biggest deal for you. So from that perspective, I think I feel like I've gone on a tangent, but I think it's important. But <laughs> but I feel like from that perspective, understanding where your doctor is coming from is really helpful. Mm-hmm. So then if you take fertility awareness and compare it to like the IUD or like the shot, that's a 100% user dependent method. So right away, it contradicts with how they were trained. Because, you know, if, if you're a doctor and you're working with the general population, a lot of people probably aren't going to be able to do it or wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't follow through with what they say they're going to do. And so I think if you're a doctor and you're working with the general public, you might not actually believe that someone would or could do it. And you'll hear that kind of thing if you have these kinds of conversations. Well, that's a lot of work that, you know, it's too complicated. Like you wouldn't want to do something like that. And that's where they're coming from. So all of this is to say that your doctor's opinion is just not the thing that should be determining what you're going to do. So you as the woman, like I said, this method is not for everybody. So you, if you are, if you are listening to this conversation today and your mind is blown and you're just like, oh my goodness, I am who they're talking about. I had all these issues. I had all of these side effects. I had no idea that the depression, the panic attacks, all that stuff. And for the record, you could be on the pill for like five years, 10 years and never have a panic attack. And all of a sudden start having panic attacks because of the cumulative nutrient deficiencies getting worse that eventually cause side effects that you didn't even have. So you could have side effects show up later and still be related to the pill. And obviously you're going to think to yourself, it can't be the pill. I've been on it for this long. How could I have panic attacks? So like if you're that person who is, you know, concerned about some of these side effects, you're piecing things together today. I mean, this is the whole thing. There's reasons why women like fertility awareness. It frees them from some of these side effects. I've had women in tears because they've tried every type of birth control and they reacted to all of them. And they literally felt like there was no other option until they did some late night Googling and discovered fertility awareness. And it was like water, like in Mm -hmm. a desert. They were like, oh my gosh, there's actually an option for me. So yeah, you know, you make your own decision. Don't let your doctor's opinion 
you know, what did they say about opinions? Opinions are like a-holes. Everyone has one. (laughs) Everyone's got one. And I I think you just pointed out kind of where I was leading you is everyone's got their lane and fertility awareness method is not going to be a medical doctor's lane necessarily. Some of them have educated themselves on it, but not a lot of them. They are literally a unicorn. You may have to step outside of that like traditional medical model. So you had talked about finding a functional health doctor or naturopathic doctor for that hormonal side and, and working with things. What about gut health? Does the pill mess with your gut health? I have no idea where this question came from, but as you were talking about those doctors, I was like, wait a minute, gut health, the pill, what is it? How are those related if they are? Well, so there, there is research on the pill and its links to certain conditions I mean, to kind of start off, the pill is linked to disrupting the microbiome Mm. or disturbing the microbiome. And so if any of the listeners or if you have ever had a friend or yourself who went on the pill and all of a sudden they were having yeast infections and then the doctor would give them, you know, monostat or whatever, and then they would have, you know, BV and then they would go between like I've spoken to so many women for whom this is what their experience is on the pill. And then when they come off of it, it stops. So there is a link between the pill and the microbiome and there is, and it, it's related to, and in, in, if, if you think about it, when you're on the pill, you have a, a rapid influx of artificial hormones that are strong enough to stop you from ovulating, you know, in most cases. So it is having an effect. There are other studies that look at the connection between, you know, women who might've been prone to IBS or Crohn's or other types of issues and the pill worsening that aspect of it. So I don't know that you can say, okay, the pill causes, you know, that's not, that's not what the research is indicating, but there for women who are, have a susceptibility or um, might have a predisposition to some of these conditions, it is a, correlated with kind of like a worsening. So obviously the, the, the interesting thing about the pill is that it's been around since 1960. There's a ton of research and it's wild. The number of conditions that are associated with the pill or worsened by the pill or somehow related to the pill. And so you can certainly look up those things. I think that the bottom line is just to be aware, like if you are on the pill or if you've recently come off the pill, then you may want to learn a little bit about gut health, learn about how you can support it, whether that is, you know, incorporating fermented foods and, you know, doing some gut supporting things, or if you have some symptoms that you're concerned about seeking support from a a person who specializes in gut health, making sure that you're tested, you have the appropriate test to determine if you do have some sort of issue. I feel like that would be a good place to start. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about those methods that you had mentioned. You mentioned cervical mucus monitoring. You had mentioned basal body temperature. What do people need to know about their options when it comes to learning about their bodies and their fertility? Mm-hmm. In terms of fertility awareness, the most common method that most people are familiar with would be the symptothermal method where you're doing a combination of the symptoms. So monitoring your cervical mucus, you know, cervical position is an optional sign and then the basal body temperature. And so for someone who's never really heard of this before or for, for whom this is new information, this is all related to the hormone cycle that's taking place when you are going through your kind of normal ovulatory and menstrual cycle. When you have your period, the first day of your period is the first day of your cycle. And as you start moving into that pre-ovulatory phase, your ovaries are developing follicles and those follicles are preparing for ovulation. And as they do, 
they are releasing estrogen. And so when you're seeing cervical fluid, so for anyone who has observed cervical fluid, it can look like creamy white hand lotion. It can look like raw, stretchy, clear egg whites. And you can have a feeling when you're going to the bathroom, like if you're wiping yourself, it feels really slippery and lubricative. You might've noticed that there's, if you're not on contraceptives, you might've noticed that there's some days of the cycle that you actually feel wet. Like you feel something in your underwear, you see something in your underwear. And I remember when I was a little girl, when I think back, I had no idea what that was. <laughs> I remember asking my mom and she's like, oh, just wear panty liners. And it was only later that I discovered that that's what it was, you know, because it wasn't every single day. There were just certain days that I felt really wet and that was the cervical fluid. So when you learn about those signs and then you learn to track them, what can happen is you can learn how to identify, like you were saying, your fertile window, you know exactly which days you could get pregnant if you were to have unprotected sex. The reason those days are fertile is because cervical fluid is a sign that that cervix is open. So our vaginas aren't just like available. Well, <laughs> our cervixes, I should say, our uterus isn't just always open and available for, you know, sperm. There's a, a defined window. We've talked about that, the fertile window. And so outside of that window of time, our vaginas are actually acidic and our cervix is closed. It's blocked with a mucus plug. And so most of the time, it's impossible for you to get pregnant because the sperm, even if you were to have sex, the sperm can't penetrate through that plug that plugs the cervix. So when we have that cervical mucus flowing and it's present, that's a sign that the cervix is open. I like to use silly analogies. So if you picture, you know, a nightclub, when the cervix is closed, you know, you've got the bouncer outside, no one's getting in. But when you're in that fertile window, the mucus is flowing, the bouncer's out to lunch and everyone can go inside. And so, you know, and that is a result of that estrogen that your follicle is producing as you approach ovulation. And once you ovulate, then your ovaries start to make progesterone and progesterone shuts down the mucus production. And so when you're tracking that mucus and you're tracking when it's there and when it's, when it's, if, if that's all you got from this conversation <laughs> and all you did was start to pay attention to what's going on in your panties and like when you're wiping and going to the bathroom, if all you did was start paying attention to that, you would know more than the vast majority of women. If you're trying to get pregnant, the simplest thing is like, have sex when you see it. <laughs> if that's all you did, you could like, you know how to time sex now. There's obviously more to it, but literally if that's all you did, that would be useful. I don't recommend for this conversation to be the only thing you listen to if you want to use it for birth control. I think that there's more of a learning curve there. You should really take that a whole lot more seriously. But I mean, just that is really useful information, I think, for people. The basal body temperature. So that's when you're taking your temperature in the morning, you know, first thing before you get out of bed. And what's interesting is that after you ovulate, you make a ton of progesterone and that progesterone raises your baseline body temperature. And so I found it to be so fascinating when I started charting because I would plot it on a graph, you know, take it because it was it was like 2000, right? <laughs> 2001, 2002. So there was no apps. And so everything was like on paper, but I was plotting everything. And when I would ovulate, I would see the temperature would rise after ovulation and it would stay high for the rest of the time. And then it would kind of drop back down when I had my next period. It was science. It was so fascinating that my body could do that, that I could learn to identify. And the most fascinating thing, one of the questions you asked earlier was about confidence. You know, how do I convey to people that I'm, I'm so confident? Like, how does that work? So the way I talk about it with clients is that there's different levels of information, <laughs> So we're talking on a podcast right now. And if someone has just heard about this, I mean, they don't really, they're not really in that deep. 
But once you start researching and learning about the science behind it, that's the first level of knowledge. When you actually understand what I'm saying regarding the estrogen and the progesterone, like, you know, the ovaries and the egg, you know, being present during ovulation, but then like not being present after, like for you to get in your head, like, wow, there's act like when she says there's days that we could have sex and I wouldn't get pregnant. Like that's real, like for you to understand the science. Because even that takes a long time to kind of get your head around because <laughs> you hear it and you're like, yeah, but she means withdrawal though. <laughs> but it's like, no, no, she actually. And so, but that's the only the first step. The second step I say is when you start charting, because when you start charting, it becomes real. Like you actually see the the temperature going up. You actually see the mucus and then it goes away. You see the change. If you're checking your cervical position, like you, you feel the change and you're like, this is again, this is real. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but then there's a third level. When you actually, you know, you've taken the time to learn, you've taken the time to chart, you understand the rules, you want to use it for birth control, you, you know, you're good, like, you know, but you get up the courage to actually have unprotected sex on an infertile day. Yeah. And then your period comes and then you do it again and your period comes again. Like I'm 20 years in here. So like you can't buy that kind of confidence because that's an experiential thing that only happens when you do it. Yeah. I just am remembering my journey into it. It takes a couple months. You had talked about three to six cycles. Even then I still was like, oh my God, just learning so much, like learning so much about the different methods and the rules and what I should be seeing with my body, but also learning about my body. You talk about seeing those patterns, which is really awesome. And it like, especially good for, you know, us like science nerds, us geeks out there, but what I found super empowering was I could see the problems too, because I was being taught what to expect. So then when something wasn't that, I started to look into it and I knew who to reach out to. And I started to get help for hormonal health and to say like, okay, I've just come off of birth control. Here is what, you know, the osteopath had said. So what what's the hormonal side of this? Let's look into multiple, I guess, let's look into all of my health and see what has happened since being on the pill. And it gave me a starting place. Um, okay. So you brought up apps. I am a big fan of temp drop and I'm not like an affiliate or anything. I've just used them because what I found with um, basal body temperature in the morning, I always forgot. Okay. Right in the morning, I would like get out of bed because that's my habit. I got out of bed. I go wash my face, brush my teeth. Crap. Supposed to take my temperature. Well, it's done at that point, right? Like it has to be done in bed. And so that I learned very quickly did not work for my lifestyle. So I replaced it with the temp drop, which was easy for me. I also am a doula. So I work overnights. I never know when I'm going to be in my home versus someone else's home. So I needed something that could come with me and be mobile, be light, be discreet. And so the temp drop was it for me. How do you feel about using the apps as a tool, not necessarily as your only method? Cause you know, they're an app. They they can only tell you so much, but in combination with the other like bodily things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like apps are an entrance, like yeah. a, kind of the entry point for so many women. And I, uh, I, I, I kind of have an interesting relationship with the technology because in my perfect world, I feel like these devices would be places where we input information, but we would be the ones that are inputting it. You know, it depends on your goals and what you're wanting to do. So For someone who wants to use this method for birth control, 
I feel that it is essential for you to actually learn how to do that without an app. Like you should be able to put your stuff into an app. I recommend that when you're looking at apps that you choose one that allows you to turn the predictor the predictor settings off. So there's a lot of period tracking apps that will give you little stars or little stuff when you're supposed to be ovulating or tell you, when, you know, when you're supposed to be getting your period or whatever, which I mean, I think for a lot of women, that's great and interesting and all of that. But I feel like if you're actually wanting to use this method for birth control, you need to shut that stuff off, at least for a period of time while you're learning, because it will really trip you up. It'll really cause a lot of confusion. And ultimately, what I always say is like the app doesn't know it's in your panties today. Mm-hmm. So it only goes so far. And I know a lot of the apps have some science behind them and, you know, they'll boast this high effectiveness rate. But at the end of the day, like you, you know, it doesn't know what's in your panties today. So I would say my recommendation, my suggestion is to if you're serious about this and this is something you want to use. And I keep saying for birth control, because I mean, I think that if you're serious and you're really wanting an effective method, you should learn it. You should take the time to learn it. And maybe if you don't want to learn it, maybe it's not the method for you. You know what I mean? Because we all want shortcut, easy stuff. But I mean, what happens if the app is wrong and then you have sex and then you you don't have an unplanned pregnancy? I feel like you can avoid that by taking the time to learn to use the method. And then once you're good, use the app as well as a tool, you know, use it as an input device, you know, add in the temp drop, do what you need to do, but you be in control of it. Don't let it be in control of you. Make sure you understand what you're looking at, what the signs are and all that stuff on your own first. Yeah. Paper charting. I did do it. It was one of my least favorite parts of it um, because it's the hardest, I think. It is like so hard to learn the charting rules, in my opinion, of just everything that you have to consider. Yeah, it is necessary. What's interesting about paper charting is that, I mean, obviously that's how I started because there was no, like the... (laughs) It's there was a time before apps, <laughs> land before time. But uh, but what's interesting about it is I kind of thought that when I kind of started doing my podcast and all of that, I kind of thought that women wouldn't be interested anymore because they, they had all these options. What I found is that there's a strong like, you know, 15 to 20 percent of my clientele who like charts. So it, it's just like what you said, like for you, you're like, no, <laughs> I tried it. It didn't work. And plenty of my clients are like, nope, I tried that and I didn't like it. I like the apps, but there's a strong, like, that's why I made, I I made a charting workbook. You know, I have a paper charting workbook that is kind of a companion to my book. And I send it to all my clients. And I always say like, you don't have to use it. I send it to you because I think it's nice to be able to send it to you. And there's some great information in there about charting. But yeah, so that's my comment to that where, you know, only do what works for you. I find it to be interesting because I actually thought no one would be interested in paper charting anymore, but they're still like the OGs yeah, that still like want to do it. I'm glad I have this skill because it, that, like what most people use as their birth control, that is my safety net. I know I can always go back and chart if I find that something is off or funky or not lining up with what I think it should be. Definitely, it's a skill that I'm glad I have. But I do, it just fits better with my lifestyle right now to have that app be part of um, of my thing. And I know there's all sorts of funky feelings with apps. Um, yeah, okay. We talked about the methods. We talked about kind of combining them, learning your body. We talked about how to advocate for yourself and your OB. What have we not covered that you're like, okay, if people are wanting to use fertility awareness method, they need to know this. I mean, I think that we've covered a lot of it. There's always other topics I could cover. I think all I'd want to say is, I mean, you can do it. People self-select for this method. So, 
if you have that kind of fascination, curiosity, if you feel like it's right and, and you want to learn more, I would just lean into that, you know, because this is no one is forcing anyone to chart. (laughs) It's not a thing. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't force people to do it. It's something that people choose independently. Like women gravitate to this when they Mm -hmm. feel that it's right for them. When they learn about it, they get so excited about it. um, All of those kinds of things. So if that's you, you can do it and you don't need anyone's permission. Just take your time. Don't rush into it. Right. But take some time to learn about it and at the end of the day, you can do it. Yeah, you totally can do it. Oh, and it does go from a sense of like responsibility, like, oh, I'm taking on this thing to a sense of like, wow, I know exactly what's going on with my body. Like it does, it, I promise you that hesitation goes away. You find your confidence and you will be able to like feel in control of your body if this is right for you. Okay, Lisa, if anything that you said today, you know, resonated with people and they wanted to reach out to you and work with you, how can they contact you and tell us about your programs? If they're looking for an instructor, how do they go about that? Yes. Well, thank you for that. So, I mean, if you enjoyed this conversation today and you're ready to learn a lot more about fertility awareness, then you'll really like my podcast, Fertility Friday. We're almost at episode 500, which is just wild. So you can search Fertility Friday in your podcast player and you'll find me there. Also the book, The Fifth Vital Sign. I mean, that's If you're ready to jump into the rabbit hole with me, the book really covers fertility awareness charting the different fertile signs, but it also covers this concept of the menstrual cycle as a vital sign and shows you how to kind of get started understanding to chart. Like what you said at the very beginning of the episode was so powerful when you said, like, I know what's going on. I know what's happening in my body. And even when something's going kind of weird in my cycle, I know why, because it's related to X, Y, Z. And so if that is appealing to you, then certainly I would suggest that. My favorite place to hang out on socials is Instagram at Fertility Friday. And and in terms of my programs, so I've been shifting a little bit. I, I actually doing practitioner programs now. So I have a program called the Fertility Awareness Mastery Mentorship, where I'm supporting women's health practitioners to learn to use fertility awareness as a vital sign in their practice. So they're actually teaching their clients how to chart and then being able to support them to kind of spread this information and to use it as an additional tool to be able to assess their clients. So it's really fun and fascinating work that I've just had the pleasure of being able to do. Nice. Okay. And if people were wanted to connect with you, they can connect you on socials, but anywhere else, what's your website? Fertilityfriday.com. Amazing. Oh my gosh. I knew this was going to be a great conversation. Obviously this just skims the surface. You guys fertility awareness method is it's deep and um, there's a lot of moving parts, but it is giving you control over your body, over your fertility, over really understanding the patterns that are normal in your body so that you can know when things are abnormal so that you can know how to change your lifestyle, how to change habits, how to make different decisions if those are needed. I really obviously sing its praises and I can't say enough good things about fertility awareness method. And Lisa, again, you played such a big role in that. So thank you so much for not only spending your time educating us out here, um, but also taking your time to be on the podcast today was really, really fun. And it was truly an honor to have you on as a guest. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. You asked such great questions. So thank you again for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, you guys, we will see you again next week. Bye, y'all. 
Actually, before you go, let me grab you and share that I have a savings code for the Temp Drop wearable thermometer that I talked about in this episode. It is a thermometer that I slide on my arm before I go to sleep and it takes all the data points and takes my temperature throughout the night so that I don't have to do the work in the morning. When I wake up, I simply sync it to my phone and voila, I have all of the graphs and the data points that it has taken throughout the nights on my phone and it has the data for the past couple weeks and months so that I have nice patterns. I love being able to have that insight into my menstrual health. If you're interested in getting your own temp drop, I will drop a savings code in the show notes for you to grab that. You can save $10 on your purchase of temp drop with the savings code in the show notes. All right, see you next week. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident.